Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to professional snowboarder Sammy Lubke. Snowboarding has been a part of Sammy's life for 25 years. He grew up in it. His first board was a 111 Burton Air. It was about three and a half feet tall, and he rode it at Alaska. When he and his family lived in Girdwood, Alaska, in an A-frame nickname Twin Peaks. There, at Alaska, was where he laid the groundwork for the rider he would later become. Confident and versatile. Then, in 1998, he and his family moved to Truckee. His parents had just split up, and the move provided his family with more opportunities. It also put him in a position and a scene that would help grow his snowboard career. It wasn't long before he met friends, kids who were also competing in the USASA competitions. They formed a crew and called themselves Starbound. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber. Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolph, Sharon Liska, Jake Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, Aquila Space, and Borderline Legacy. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash Crude Magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get crude apparel and merchandise at TeePublic. From t-shirts to hoodies to stickers, baby onesies and more. Just go to the Crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay. Back to Sammy Lubke. Early in his career, he focused on freestyle riding, hitting jumps and rails. In 2011, he got first part in a standard films video and a cover shot with Onboard Magazine. At 21, he had accomplished what so many professional snowboarders worked their entire careers to achieve. Then, in 2012, he switched gears and made the decision to focus on big mountain riding. He competed in the Free Ride World Tour and came in third place. And every time he returned, he got closer and closer to winning. Until in 2016, he nailed all of his lines and won the tour. He would go on to win it in 2017 and 2018 as well. Three years in a row. He says doing the competition was probably the biggest decision he's made in snowboarding, because he did it for himself. It wasn't to appease sponsors or to make money. It was out of his love and devotion to snowboarding. Right now, he's at a point in his life where he's trying to be a jack-of-all-trades. He's learning new skills, stuff he says he missed out on when he was younger and busy pursuing snowboarding. His plan is for these new skills to lead to work that will allow him to snowboard his own way. He's learned a lot since Girdwood, back when so many big parties were at his house, 
and he was surrounded by adults. He had to grow up fast. So now, he impresses on his daughters to enjoy being a kid, because it doesn't last long, and adulthood, with all of its responsibilities and its obligations, will come soon enough. So here he is, Sammy Lubke. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more, then you talk. Go to work! Code man. <laughs> do you still draw pictures? Uh, I do. Yeah, actually, kind of just recently got back into painting. But yeah, I draw quite a bit now. Um, again, just because uh, my two daughters, they're always trying to do some art. So mm-hmm. I'll sit down and hash out some art. What kind of stuff do you draw? Oh, man. I kind of draw a variety of things. Um, used to do like some cartoony, more cartoony-esque style stuff like... Um, I don't know, comic book style, um, weird stuff, actually. Do you remember the type of stuff that you used to draw when you were a kid? Oh, when I was a, you know, when I was a kid, I was drawing dirty pictures. (laughs) 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 I mean, no one can help themselves from drawing a, a big veiny triumphant (laughs) bastard. Dude, I remember... I remember uh, when we were kids and, you know, you've always been just a really talented artist. And I remember your house in Girdwood and you had like this drawing pad, you know, that like really nice drawing paper. And like you're working on something. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I was working on this picture. <laughs> and it was just this really graphic sex scene. <laughs> and, I was like, and it was so well done that it was just like, I mean, it was really surprising. Yeah. Um, I don't know why or how I got into that. Um, really did like drawing. Um, I'm in, I'm definitely into art but when i was younger i definitely would draw some pretty risque things <laughs> um not quite appropriate for any age but yeah um funny i actually got in trouble at Northstar years ago i think i was 15 me and my buddy Crizzle were up there riding all day and we had uh sharpies and we were drawing pictures on the chair seats Vista, and it was just a variety of nasty uh, sex pictures and just, <laughs> you know, just really immature um, stuff. And we we got like 20 chairs deep doing this, and they caught us. And uh, sheriffs met us at the bottom, and we sat there and denied and denied, but finally... I couldn't hold it anymore, and I was like, yeah, it was us. And, uh, <laughs> and they pulled our passes, and it was a big ordeal. But wrote a uh, apology letter, and we somehow got our passes back, so that was that was a good thing. But, yeah, art's taken me a long way, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does your art look like now? Um, it was Well, I was really good at drawing, like, 
cartoony type stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't really good at like photorealism, anything close to that, but I did a decent amount. But I'm kind of more just like random, you know, stony art. Um, kind of just a mix of like patterns and colors and, and uh, really weird images that come from my head, I guess. But a whole lot less like, a whole lot less... Uh, you know, penises and like <laughs> that. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I got one of those. I can look at that anytime I want. <laughs> you don't need to draw anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so before we get into your snowboarding, something that I've always appreciated about you is that you've always been interested in a lot of different things. And, you know, as I was kind of writing these questions down, I'm scouring the internet, I'm reading about you, reading other interviews, reading uh, different bios for you. And something that I read was that you really like movies. What kind of movies do you like? Oh, I like all movies. Um, Action, obviously, is like, you know, no brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I like sci-fis, I like horror, uh, comedies for sure, like old comedies, you know, like, I'm into movies. I'm into, honestly, I quote movies like probably more often than um, a person should. And I expect <laughs> people to like know what I'm quoting. Yeah. You know, so like, but then people don't get it. And it's just like a big inside joke to me. Um, but yeah, like l- lots of old comedies. What's funny is I, uh, I work with teenagers. I work with youth as a youth mentor. And I watch like an insane amount of movies too. And I'll make just some reference to a movie because that's how I talk too, is, is in movie references a lot of times. Oh, yeah. And these, these teenagers just have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, like everything just kind of falls flat except for like my other coworker who is really into movies as well. Like I'll see like him smirk, you know, in like a Zoom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or like finish out the line, come back with like what's next, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kind of do that. We we work with some uh, younger kids on our crew here, and I'm referencing movies all the time, giving them shit, just joking around, and and then I kind of start to realize like I don't even think they've seen that movie or even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, but <laughs> but yeah, but then also like you know my friends who are like ten years older than me are like same thing. What? what is that? I'm like, fuck man, if you don't know, then it's going to be too hard for me to explain. What movie do you think you quote the most? Uh, probably a lot of like, mostly like Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, probably dumb and dumber a lot. A lot of dumb and dumber for sure. But nobody knows for sure. <laughs> it's anybody's guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dumb and dumber is pretty a go-to. There's just too many good one-liners. So many. Have you rewatched a movie from like your childhood? I don't know, as an adult, and you realize like, holy crap, that's like, that's most of my vocabulary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess I'd say even like some Will Ferrell stuff, um, or Saturday Night Live skits, like all the, um, Celebrity Jeopardy ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are those are really good. Like going full Sean Connery. Uh, 
I'll take catch. I'll take catch the semen <laughs> for five hundred. Let's catch these men. <laughs> is that is that what the mustache is for, Trebek? <laughs> oh, and you got the laugh too, <laughs> just like Sean Connery. It's great. Now all day, too fun. I like it. I'll quote movies till till I can't quote movies anymore. So when you were young, your house in Girdwood was kind of the party house. What was that like for you? Uh, man, to be honest, I had no idea what was going on. But it was interesting because it was, you know, party house in Alaska is just more like a bunch of homies together um, mm-hmm. that snowboard and skate and hang out. Um, but, yeah, it was an odd house because it was a double A-frame, Twin Peaks, to be exact, um, we lived in one half, me, my brother, and my mom, and then the other side, which was like identical to ours, was just a bunch of snowboard bums, knuckle draggers that were up to no good, started making trouble in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty weird. I mean, I thought it was cool because I was super into the we're just super into that, like the culture, I guess that mm-hmm. I didn't even know was a culture, but I was way too young to be, you know, in the midst of, you know, my brother is eight years older than me. So clearly he had older friends and, and, uh, you know, my mom loved having all the young boys there and cooking them dinner and letting them do what they want. So I just happened to be around and it was cool and also a little bit much, but it was uh it was good it was just kinda good for me, I guess, to be around stuff like that, but also have people around who were there, you know, guiding me, trying to make sure I was a good kid mm-hmm. and focused on the better things in life than just the uh raging parties. Yeah. But it was pretty cool, man. I mean, it was fun. I'm still friends with a lot of those people, you know, getting older, having not seen them also for many years. It's it's nice keeping in touch and having, like, that connection to back home. Mm -hmm. Who do you think those people were that kind of helped you stay on that that straight and narrow path? Um, Probably my... You know, my brother, actually. Um, my brother and his best friend, Nick, were always good at making sure we were doing the right thing and not being, you know, little punk asses, which we were regardless. But, you know, they weren't letting us drink. They weren't letting us, you know, they made sure that we were being kids and not trying to grow up too fast. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice. Um, Justin Kellerby, yeah, another good one there. Who was always, always looking out. Um, I don't know. I remember you were there. You had a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about your your eighth or your ninth birthday? Yeah, I think it was my uh, ninth birthday. And uh, yeah, it was good times, you know. But good lessons learned. Good good lessons learned. Absolutely, yeah. I think that that was that might have been the first time that I ever got really drunk, and. 
You just don't know. Yeah. That's what's really interesting about the snowboard industry or just the snowboard culture is everybody's always hanging out with everybody else. And there's no like, I don't know, no knowledge of like age difference in a lot of ways. Because if you're up on the mountain, sometimes the young kids are really good, you know? And so I think that that might be kind of a blinder to some of the older folks. And so when you leave the mountain, like the next thing to do is to continue hanging out. And the thing that people did was they drank and partied, you know? Exactly. It's true. I mean, we get a bad rap, but I think like kind of growing up, well, like our brothers were good for us. Um, Yeah. Because, like, we wanted to be like them, but at the same time showed us how to not be like them Mm -hmm. when it came time to, you know, growing up a little bit. But, you know, definitely a lot of people see see that as, oh, well, those are going to be some bad kids right there, some ruffians um, up to no good. But I I just think uh, I'm appreciative of it Um, because, yeah, I mean, a lot of us might look a little dirtier on the outside. You know, don't judge a book by the cover because most of us have a pretty damn good heart inside of us, and we are we are better than what people are imagining. You know, mm-hmm. but but some do go down the other some do go down the other path. You know, so mm-hmm. it's good to keep that in mind. How do you think you avoided getting caught up in all the partying and all the drinking in snowboarding? I think it was just something that, like you know, like you said, it does come along with that. It's like you are in this kind of like misfit bunch of people doing something in love that a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you say you snowboard, people don't look at it and go, oh, yeah, like, you know, like, where do you ride? Like, what do you ride? Like, what, you know, like, what kind of snow do you prefer? Things like that that we think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in reality, like, a lot of that just comes along with with snowboarding and skateboarding it always has is just kind of like being your own self, not giving a fuck about what anybody else has to say mm-hmm. or think and, you know, dressing the way you want, acting the way you want. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of that that was going on when I was watching snowboarding and idolizing people and you know, you think it's cool. Yeah. Like you want to, you want to get into that. Um, and it can be fun, but you know, only to a certain extent, like if you're not getting your shit done, then I think it's pretty important to like check yourself and realize that like, if you want to have fun, then you got to keep your shit together. You got to keep your ducks in a row. Yeah. All your chickens. <laughs> and that party that you were mentioning, you know, the one that I said that, was really young. I think I was like nine years old. I got really drunk. I remember Justin Killerby gave me, you know, he watched over me like after he realized like I was hammered, kind of put me to bed. And I'm pretty sure he gave me a pretty bad dead leg, you know, like gave me this big bruise on, on my leg. And it was like, as a reminder, like, don't do this. You know, you're, you're not, you're not there yet. And I remember him, him talking to me, I think it was the next morning. And he was just like, just kind of gave me this, this real talk moment. You know, I'm hungover. I'm a kid and just trying to hang out. Right. Like I don't know any better. Yeah. And 
you know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, you're a kid now, like enjoy being a kid. You can still like hang out with us. We can all still snowboard together, but this is like, you know, you're not, you're not there in age yet, you know? Yeah, we weren't. We weren't. We just like, you know, everything else that those people did was something that we're like, oh, we want to do it too. Like mm-hmm. the coolest people in Alaska, man, it was just the snowboarders and the skateboarders, like family and friends. But yeah, and that's like kind of what I relay is like, don't to my kids and all kids, like, don't grow up too fast. Like you don't need to enjoy being a kid because yeah. in due time you you can go and experience things. But if you're, uh, you know, if you're a good kid and you're into snowboarding, skateboarding, like we were, you know, like focus on those things, having fun with your friends, not like what the older crowd's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they always remind, they always reminded me, my brother constantly reminded me, you know, dead legs were part of the weekly routine. Um, Cause my brother was that way, you know, he loved the party, but he was an excellent snowboarder, super funny, good, mm-hmm. good friend, good guy. And, uh, he just knew that there was probably a lot more opportunity for me to take snowboarding somewhere and to focus more on that rather than, you know, trying to grow up too fast and hang out with him and be like part of that crew. So, mm-hmm. um, I've had many talks like that with people older, you know, in moments. And it's good. It's good to have that to check yourself because it's people get caught up because it is fun. It's fun to hang out with everybody. And, but none of that, none of that shit matters. So. Do any of those moments come to mind that you were given one of those talks? Um, you know, probably more or less like, when my brother, when my brother went to rehab, because he drank a lot, we probably touch on this. He was an alcoholic, but he's recovered. Um, mm-hmm. We had a talk afterwards, and this is when I was more like twenty, nineteen, twenty, and just you know, it wasn't like a he was judging me or a, giving me a lecture. He was just like telling me his apologies and sorry if he had gotten me into any, any of that, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is the first step in your sobriety. But for me, um, I just appreciate it. Cause like I, you know, really, I never took that from him. Like, I don't think that trait came from him. It was, anything I chose to do is on me. So mm-hmm. I appreciated like having the knowledge to make my own decisions and, and, uh, and also to like take responsibility, man, it was kind of nice to see, but I've had a few other things I wouldn't say were like conversations that put things into reality for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like having, having the kiddos, Losing some sponsors and things like that and just like focusing too hard on, um, not myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's more of like more of the wake up calls I've had. It was just like, 
anything can happen even when you aren't doing those things. So it's good to like keep your shit straight when it hits the fan, you know? How old do you think you were when, you know, you came to that realization? Uh, 22. That's good. 22. That's still young. Yep. But then, you know, you get, you got, you get relapses, you know, Mm -hmm. times, um, everyone goes through bumps in the road. That's for sure. It's just like kind of how you get back on track. It's the important part. So for me, yeah, 22 is a a good one just because it was, you know, that was my first, that's when I had my first daughter Mm -hmm. and I had lost a couple sponsors at that point and didn't really have like the life figured out the way I wanted, but I knew I just wanted to snowboard. So I kind of put all my effort into that again, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of started like a second chapter of my snowboard career. Did you lose sponsors because of drinking? Uh, no, no. I think it was just more of like similar circumstances, like decisions or a way of thinking, you know, mm-hmm. like I'd say maybe like, work ethic work ethic was there but attitude wasn't or realizing that like like jumping back to anything taking like you know grow up be a kid like don't grow up too quick like i was so focused on snowboarding that you know i didn't really think about the after you know like going to school like Mm, okay thinking about that there's plenty of time to make snowboarding something but also it's it is hard unless you put it all put it all out there and keep working hard on it for years um but like that you know it was more and like injuries and the way i would um try to work with sponsors and feeling like really pressured you know to do things that i didn't really want to do um but yes it was like 21 you know hurt my knee i just put out a my storming part things were good and then I got hurt and I was supposed to go film the next season and I wasn't able to, you know, really fulfill my obligations there and didn't really know how to tell people how hurt I was. Cause I didn't want to believe, you know, I was, so I was PTing, getting back, trying to, you know, I guess salvage what I had left of the season and people were just not stoked and didn't see the, didn't see the, uh, fact that I was trying and it you know wasn't an issue on personal parts but it was just more for me like it wasn't working out getting healthy in the time I needed and and people took those as excuses and things like that you know mm-hmm. and for me it was just like you know what I'm just gonna start being straight up you know if I'm hurt I'm gonna tell people um some shit's going on or I can't get things done just being open and blunt and making sure they know everything because, you know, if you don't communicate things and you just kind of look like you're making excuses and whatnot. So eye opener was kind of like that, that time there being hurt and having Alexa. And then, uh, yeah. And then that like got me, that put me like on a path of getting strong. And then that's like the year I qualified for the free ride world tour. So it's kind of like a big low point and a bunch of lessons. And then like me just being like, oh, I'm doing this for me. 
mm-hmm. and and that's like kind of how the new you know the second half of my career started so i want to go back a little bit you know back to girdwood and there was a point when you and your mom moved from girdwood to tahoe right yeah when was that that was that year dude 98 um moved to Truckee and I didn't even know where Tahoe was. I just was like, Oh, Tahoe. <laughs> and my brother and all his friends were like, we got to go there. It snows. Like all the pros live there. It's like, it's the place to be the Mecca. They got parks, they got powder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we up and, you know, my parents split up and, uh, it was time to get out. Ended up moving all the way down here to Truckee. And so it was a conscious decision to, you know, put you in the mix of snowboarding, you know, the industry, and then to help you continue developing as a snowboarder. I think, you know, that is part of like, part of why my mom for sure ended up moving here, but also my brother was into snowboarding as well. And all of his friends, they all wanted to move here. So it was like me and my mom. And then, you know, like three other Alaskans ended up moving here. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was like premeditated to help me but also it was a good opportunity being in a place um, that was good for everybody and would have been probably a better environment for me to, yeah, probably like push my snowboarding a little harder, mm-hmm. but just for us to be happy, you know? Yeah. And Gerd, Girdwood's like a, I love Girdwood, but it's not, you know, the place to spend your whole entire life. What was it like when you moved to Truckee? Pretty weird. Um, never really like spent time in a mountain town outside of Alaska and like meeting new friends and stuff, you know, it was, it's always weird for anybody. Like changes, change can be a tough one, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was just stoked. I was like, sweet. They got all this here. I like immediately once winter hit, it was like, I went and did USASA contests and, you know, met kids my age, like-minded Mm-hmm. They were into the same thing. And that's kind of all I was trying to do is just have fun, you know? Competing was like an outlet for me to do that uh, rather than to just like compete and win. Like it was all about just being in that community. Mm-hmm. And I met like tons of my friends who still have today. Um, but it was it was really cool, you know? It took some time because um, I was like winning contests and stuff. And like a lot of kids didn't like me because I was winning and, and I didn't even know them, you know? And it was kind of mm-hmm. made me feel bad little bit um but then you know i got in and met like coach at the north star team for uh just the, their snowboard team you know and i got on that and met a bunch of friends who were really like uh, motivators for me older older kids but kids my age too and fell in love you know it's it pretty cool they had a lot here having like given like Hilltop was the only place that really had like a park mm-hmm. or like kind of a pipe and uh, they moved here and they like got, you know, a lift dedicated to pure park and freestyle, which was really cool. I had never seen before. Um, and so that was it, was, it was pretty cool, you know, and also being able to just like walk up to the summit and build, you know, a makeshift quarter pipe or hip or a jump or whatever. It was like so easy. Um, it was, it was really cool because it kind of reminded me of being home. Cause you know, it snows a lot here. It snowed a lot in Girdwood. 
you didn't have to go far really to go ride. Yeah. So that's kind of what made it so like, I guess, comparable, something that I would enjoy or that I love just because everything's right there. Who was part of your snowboard crew? You know, you said that you, you met a bunch of like-minded kids your own age because you were involved in USASA and was it there that you met your buddies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Starbound, starbound crew. That's what's up. Um, yeah, no, like, uh, buddy, Chris Galvin, uh, Andrew Irwin, uh, Bryce Lowell, mm-hmm. um, just to name a, just a couple, you know, but like that crew right there, was kind of like the main snowboard crew always up until, you know, forever. Um, and also like in that sense, like meeting people here through them and then skateboarding as well mm-hmm. opened up, you know, like it's, it's a good way to like meet people. Um, but yeah, that was like my crew. Like we were die, die hard ride together, um, every day, do everything together every day. Um, even brought Krizzle and Bryce up to uh beeline camp yeah. a couple of years, which was really nice because I've been telling them like, let's go. You need to come up, best camp you'll ever have, best camp experience you'll ever have, and the most fun and radical thing to do. And uh it's cool to get people up from here to go up there and enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, you get your tight crew and you got them for life. So those were the homies. What was that like to, you know, you moved from Girdwood, you're in Truckee, you have this new crew, Starbound, and, you know, you bring Chris and Bryce up to Borderline Camp. Did you feel like by bringing them up there, you know, you had maybe like a responsibility to be like, okay, I'm going to show you the best of Alaska? Yeah, I mean, probably like, you know, obviously it was even just prior, you know, like, didn't even feel a response. I felt responsibility to get them to want to go in the first place because mm-hmm. yes, the best part of Alaska is all there. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And they were always talking about, oh, let's go to window, this and that, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd done that one time and just, it's not the same, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think like just them coming there spoke for itself to them because they had a blast and they met from there, you know, people that will be friends the rest of their lives as well, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It was a good time. I just wanted to show people the, the amount of fun and like, and like pretty much every year of my life from the start until the last year of camp, you know? Um, I wanted to show them that feeling and that experience. So, um, I feel like I did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I think you did too. You know, I'm, I'm still friends with Bryce. We don't talk very often. You know, we have each other on social media, but, um, you know, I guess every once in a while we'll leave each other a comment. But when I went to school in Reno, Bryce lived with me and Carrie. So, or we lived with Bryce, you know, so mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, and it stemmed from you bringing them to borderline camp. Yeah. It's crazy how it's all connected like that. Yeah. A lot of rad, just a lot of good people, rad people that 
I'm glad I have in my life all stem from years in Alaska, you know? Yeah. And I was thankful too for, you know, moving here and then like having my dad lived in Girdwood until, until I was like 25, six full time. And then, uh, decided to go back and get a new house in Arizona, but he was still working up at Tesoro in Kenai or uh, up in Nikiski, but he had a little property in Kenai. So it was kind of nice to like be able to just go up and, um, spend time with him and have, you know, two homes, well, home away from home and go back and see all my family from Alaska and, and just like spend, you know, the best times that I don't get very often, you know, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm here, I love it here, but, um, I will say this. I love Alaskan summers, probably the best of any place. Yeah. They're hard to beat. They're, they're pretty damn good. Yeah. Something I was thinking about as I was writing these questions and, you know, kind of in this Tahoe section that I had was, you know, is there anyone from Tahoe, you know, from those early days of you riding in Tahoe that you miss seeing ride? Um, that I miss seeing ride like that doesn't ride anymore or like isn't here anymore. Either one. Mm, man. Well, there's some new ones and some old ones like, uh, KJ. KJ is a good example. I've actually been seeing him lately, but when I was young and I moved here, I got the pleasure of meeting Kevin Jones through skateboarding, but we'd go up to Squaw, you know, and ride the pipe night riding on Riviera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all the pros would be there, you know, be like KJ Slaz and, um, blaze Rosenthal and just all these guys, Jim Rippey, it all be there. And, uh, that kind of died down a lot. Um, you don't see, you don't see like the, the legends out the way you used to. That was another part of being here. Um, I miss seeing that, but you know, that's tough. People come and go and tell a lot. So there's a lot of those I could say I can name a lot, but I just thought of this. I didn't even think about answering it myself as I wrote it. But for me, I think it might be my dad and Jake Randazzo. Dazzler. Um, just because they, just the way that they, they both ride is just powerful, you know? Um, and they're just like in command of what they're doing. I think to this day, one of the best things I've ever seen in in real life was Jake Randazzo. And for some reason, like I'd always be getting off the tram, like just showing up and then Dazzler would like just be coming straight down. He's like, go man, come on. I got the best run. You know, that was kind of his thing is like, I got the best run. I've been here for a couple runs before you. And so I followed him and we go down to Eagle Rock and uh, he's like, Hey, can you go scout it out for me? So it's my first run. So I'm like, I'm, that's cool. I can do that. So I go and I go to the bottom and he's like, can I just go straight? And I'm like, you're good to go. Gave him like the thumbs up and he, he points it and he's on a swallowtail. I should have mentioned. <laughs> and he does a backside seven, just like huge and just stomps it. And it was just like incredible, you know? 
Love that. <laughs> They're, honestly, yeah, you know, it reminded me, uh, Chris Bronze. Mm-hmm, that'd yeah. be one, too. Because um, he ended up moving to Truckee, too, actually, like a few years after um, and living with us. And he was just always around, but like, you know, the guy was five, he was like five, five, super short, but like powerful. Yeah. And would like send anything bigger and like just chuck off of, you know, anything natural, like no lip, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was always fun to ride with, which was actually, thanks for reminding me, but he was just like, there's just those people, you know? that are just powerful riders and really just in it for snowboarding Mm -hmm. that you would ride with a lot. Um, I miss riding with my brother too. He doesn't even snowboard anymore, but he, cause he broke his back twice. So he just kind of was like, I'm over it. I'm just gonna break my back again. But yeah. Um, you know, I miss borderline camp. I just miss every, everybody at borderline camp, to be honest lucky enough to like you know get out and film with Lando down the road and Bertner and and go out with all the boys doing that you know mm-hmm. um or like PMAC you know PMAC I met at Borderline Camp and then ended up you know you know becoming like a really close friend of mine one of the best people I know and then you know years later we ended up filming together and then he became my team manager. Mm-hmm. It was funny how it all kind of full circle comes together, but snowboarding brings a lot of people together from different places. And you don't even have to be like this amazing pro to inspire anybody who loves snowboarding. I don't know. You just have to like have that energy. Yeah. And uh, people like that for sure are what we need. When you think about riding with your brother, do any specific days come to mind? I remember um, one night, big time. This was in Alaska. It was, uh, this night, the mountain was closed. It had to be like January. Still a little dark. Mm-hmm. Like, still a little dark throughout the day, but it was like dumping one night. Bottom of chair three, just above, just above the sits mark, and we built this huge kicker, which had like no landing. It was just like this big flat, like huge cheese wedge to like flat nothing landing, and uh, everyone had like, they were all just stoked, you know, trying stuff. And I like went and sent like a huge front flip. I think it was seven, but he, uh, everyone was so fired up, and I had like hurt my ankle, and they were filming it. And they got me crying on film, like about my ankle. And I still get shit to this day about tears in my eyes and my ankle, but like I was so fired up that I, I just chucked a fronty. I'd never done one before. Yeah. And it was a huge jump, but like that was like he could get me he could get me so stoked, you know what I mean? Um Yeah. And it was just kinda like I don't know, something that I never got from anybody else, you know, really. Just wanted to, like, prove, show off to my brother that I could be badass. And I did a front flip, you know. I went full Hinkley on it. (laughs) Yeah.
That's awesome, though. Rest in peace. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, there's yeah, he stopped a long time ago. Yeah, that's crazy. We've been, we've been snowboarding a long time. I look at it in about, say, 25 years now. More. Shit, I don't know. Almost 30 years. It's coming up. So long. You know, I remember this one camp where there was a side hit in the Glacier Bowl. And I think it was like Burtner was filming. It mu- he must have been filming for JB Deuce still. Like that was still going on. Yeah. And me and you were doing backside rodeos off of this corner hit. And I remember like you knew them. Like you you were always good at them. And I was like, okay, I got to do it too then. And so I was learning them. And I was like doing them like perfect. And then... I started overthinking it and my brothers, I mean, the reason I'm remembering this is because Jake and Derek were like stoked. They're like, dude, this is going to be such a cool shot with you and Sammy and blah, blah, blah. And my brother Jake was just like, you just need to point it. Right. So I start going faster and I just like, just got uncomfortable. You know, it was like too big for me or I, I overthought it. And so you went, you landed it. It was perfect. And then like I went and then I just, shot way too big and got like two whirly bird in the air and just crashed, you know, and we never got it. We never got that line. Yeah. Yeah. I know they, and they get so fired up. Yeah. Brothers get fired up. Um, I don't know. I had had that experience learning that. And I think I was here when I learned it and I was like, you got that. It's just like, it's like on the trampoline, bro. Fucking, just, you know, just look back. And I was like, all right. No, but I remember that helping, you know? You were like, you told me how to do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. That makes sense. Like visualizing, yeah. you know? Yeah, I uh, I need to get back to that, visualizing. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of like backflips these days, but backside rodeos still feel just way too good, you know? Yeah. It's like, like the only like inverted trick I really like to do. Backside rodeos. I'd say. Backside or like a Mick twist in the pipe. Yeah. Feels damn good. Damn good. What do you think was your first big success in snowboarding? Oh man. I felt like that, like, you know, 2000, it was 2013. No, 20, I mean, 2011. That was like when I had filmed my storming part, I'd gotten like, a big young buck spread and snowboard. Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting like a cover with onboard mag and I didn't even know it. And I was like pretty fired up. Like that was, you know, a part, a big part of just things that you want. Like you want an opener part or an ender. You want a cover. You want things like, like just like little like side goals that like you'd hope to get if you're putting time into this industry and, um, those things, the, those were like big, but then like also, like I said, like it was a part of the time where like it kind of all came crashing down too with like, you know, people weren't making films anymore. Budgets were pretty low for riders to be able to go out and do certain things. Social media was getting a little bit more um, to be a part of like your job and uh, people are, you know, producing things on their own, you know, and companies could see that and like, well, we got people who do this you know, for this, for nothing, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, so 
um, you know, when I started losing like some income and, and a little bit of like my confidence in what I was doing, um, you know, that was big. And then it, so it made me realize I could, that was a big part, but I could do better. And, um, that's when I started doing the tour, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like 20, it was around like 2016. Um, it was like the first year I won the tour, but looked back at it all. And I was like, I feel like that was probably the biggest part, you know, because I did it for me mm-hmm. and it wasn't, wasn't making millions of dollars and people weren't really following the tour as much then, um, as they are now. Didn't really care, but like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to win. I'm going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was like the biggest year for me. I feel like in my career. How many times had you competed in the competition before you won it? I did. Um, fuck man. Four, four seasons. And, uh, first year, first year I did it, I got third overall and I was close. I was in the lead going into the last to the last contest. And then the next year I was leading. I had won the first two stops. I was doing good. And then I went out trying to film, trying to mix filming in between competing and, uh, ended up fracturing my tibial plateau. I'm like partially, partially tearing my ACL again. And, uh, and so I had to bail out of the, um, the tour that year. And then the next year, same thing was close, close, close. Ended up, falling like the last the last contest and it was like second overall and then you know just by so little you know I kept getting just so close mm-hmm. and then um yeah four seasons of that just like good competition really close in the standings and then the uh the year I won it, it was like yeah my fifth season I believe it was 2016 and I'd won it in Haynes I won it before I had even gone to Verbier, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And that was like my, that was my season. It's like the perfect season or I guess or whatever. I'd won five events and I got second and one. And that was like, that was p- pretty pivotal uh, year for me just cause I was like, I'm going to win. Yeah. And so I went out and I, you know, I put in like my hardest riding and did, you know, the lines I wanted, the tricks I wanted, and just rode hard. Stuck to my roots. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> After getting so close, you know, those previous years, what do you think helped you win it in 2016? Just still had the hunger. I didn't let it knock me down, you know? Like, yeah. I definitely was, you know, focused on, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to win. It's going to happen. Um, you know, failure was not an option. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and honestly, like it was good, you know, like it wasn't going to change my life by winning. It was going to change like my life for me personally. Mm-hmm. It was just a goal of mine. And then, yeah. And then, you know, I just took that into the next two seasons, which was kind of the same way I tried to take every season, but you know, you can never count on conditions and everything to work out perfectly so it's kind of it was cool to do it three years straight because i had some pretty adverse changes throughout the season um from like venue to venue conditions and just like geographically and personal stuff back home and and life you know yeah 
being a factor in everything. Um, you know, so like you can do it, you can do it in anything, you know, if you just keep this, the right mindset, that's kind of what I took into it every year after that. But, you know, losing didn't bring me down, just made me stronger. That's great. You mentioned injuries just a second ago. Do you think anything helped you bounce back from those injuries? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess like the, you know, the feeling of working hard and like getting that like result was always like driving me. Mm -hmm. Um, I always knew that I could heal up. I always knew that I could be like, I'll get back. I'll heal up. I'll be good. Same, same rider. I could train or whatever, work out. Um, but kind of like getting hurt and knowing that you want to keep going is kind of like, that's, that was it for me. Like it never it was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm hurt. I, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I'm done. I was always like, all right, first step heal, you know? So yeah. Like beyond that, I was big and like anytime I was hurt, PTing and being strong and coming back stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I took that a lot of the time, I think, and it helped me throughout, throughout the day, throughout the winters, every time, because everybody gets hurt. Yeah. If you like don't get hurt snowboarding or skateboarding, skiing, whatever, you know, like then you're not, you're not doing it hard enough, you know? You know, I don't know if you think of it like this, but I feel like having seen other snowboarders um, and their career and maybe how their career fizzled out, I see that sometimes as like a cautionary tale. And so, you know, in, in addition to like my own mistakes that I made in snowboarding. And so what I do now is like, they're at like the forefront of my mind now, you know, like I can't do that or I will end up like that, you know, and that helps motivate me to maybe not behave in some of the destructive ways that other snowboarders have been. And I guess maybe to explain that a little bit more, I think that me leaving world industries was such a huge mistake on my part to go to Solomon just because I thought that Solomon was like, you know, a bigger company and it was like a more adult company. Uh, but world industries was cool, you know? And yeah, I will always remember that. And it's always been a constant reminder to appreciate people more and to appreciate the things people are willing to do for you much more and to not just leave them behind, you know? Yeah. Like given the opportunity and like to not squander, but like to appreciate, you know, like, yeah, very appreciative and thankful, you know, throughout all the years, everyone who's helped. And, you know, sometimes we take it for granted, but you know, it is a good reminder to have out there. That's like experiences in life too, that like, you can't get back or recreate. Um, but also sometimes they're kind of like a starting point for something 
new, like a better, mm. something better, you know, and I got, everyone gets a little jaded sometimes, I think, or burnt out. Um, and that was good for me being able to not, you know, being able to like push through that. Um, that's kind of what the tour was for me. It was like, oh yeah, well, you guys all have expectations and things and needs and the tour, I could just do it for me and it didn't matter, you know? It was mm -hmm. like, I could choose my path and my motivation was me winning and kind of being like middle finger to everybody else who just wanted this like person who loved the scene more than they loved the sport or like their passion for what they're doing. Mm-hmm you know, regardless of what they think you do it for, but no, I've been thankful. I was thankful for, you know, the new sponsors I got, the ones that I lost, the relationships I've built, the ones that, you know, taught me lessons and, you know, who do, who do you put your time into? Mm -hmm. Like, don't waste your time. This is your life. Um, people are there to help you, you know, people are going to help you be the best you as well, you know? So, took a lot from that those are good good learning experiences and also just you know things in life i appreciate regardless if it had a bad ending or or a, a good ending you know mm -hmm. yeah that's great what you just said the difference between the people who love the scene more than they love the sport i've never thought about it like that but i feel like you you just articulated it so perfectly you know the people that are still in the sport and have longevity in it are doing it out of love rather than, you know, maybe they were a flash in the pan. Maybe they, you know, had a trick that they were doing to win all the competitions, you know? Yep. And then they just got caught up in the scene and all the partying. Yeah. And like we, you know, like we touched on, like, it's fun. It's like, you do see a lot of your friends and it doesn't all have to be like bad, like I'm not trying to give it like a bad rap, but it's also, you know, it's just part of it, something fun you can enjoy, but you don't have to have the persona of like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, uh, the whiskey videos, you know, 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. Even though it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. I love the whiskey videos. Uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it is true though. You know, the scene is a big like motivator for people sticking around, being able to get free stuff and connections to whatever it may be, you know, um, mm -hmm. just being relevant to people that don't really matter. Cause like in the end, like you gotta be relevant to yourself, what you're doing mm -hmm. and you know, who's really going to be there at the end of the day, you know, the end of your life. Um, just don't put, just don't put all your, just don't put all your chickens <laughs> in one basket too quick you know yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you know i wrote this question down and i actually deleted it earlier because i'm like you know it's a question that gets asked quite a bit in interviews but i feel like it fits really well here if you were given the opportunity to kind of give some advice to younger sammy you know adult sammy talking to younger sammy what would that sound like uh, oh man, I would have said, you know, you're doing good. Try to be, try to be a little smarter. 
um, you know, mm. did a lot of dumb things. So, um, but I would have just said, kind of like we were talking about, don't grow up too quick. Enjoy being a kid, but you know, take those bits and pieces from people who are trying to push you to be better you, regardless of snowboarding or whatever, you know, I'd have been, you know, maybe gone to school, you know, focus on school, get that done with, because when it's done, real life comes and then you have to, you know, figure it out. And, uh, don't let those good times pass you by. I hear too many people saying they wish they could go back to when they were 21 or when they were, you know, 18, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's just because they could have done those things and everything's, you know, hindsight is 2020, but yeah, you know, those are what we learned from. But I just say, don't take everything too serious. Um, don't listen to the haters. Listen to yourself and listen to the people who care and have something good to say and don't, you know, don't let opinions take you off track from who you truly are and what you want to do because that's all that really matters, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess I'd say just don't be too serious. Have a good time, but focus on the things right now that are important, you know? which is, you know, school, growing up, and learning. Uh, learning lots of things, trades. Now I want to get into being a jack of all trades. But now i got to learn that now, so. And what do you mean by that, learning to be a jack of all trades? You know, just learning new things, like knowing what you want, because nobody knows what, what they really want. They think they do, or they have an idea, but... You know, just trying everything so you can get experience in other things and see what you like and see how that translates to other, you know, career paths and things that can kind of help you do what you already want to do. You know, I want mm-hmm. to know where the rest of my life is so now. I need to find something that, you know, I love that I can manage and that can also give me the opportunity to keep, you know, snowboarding and and living in the place I love and you know, doing the things with the people I love and, and having fun. Cause you know, life's short and we want to make it easier than harder, you know? So we want to work harder or work smarter, not harder, you know? Yeah. So just learning new traits, you know, things like that. You can always learn something every day, the rest of your life. So just starting to stack it up and seeing what you like. And from there you just keep evolving. So Yeah. That's what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Is that something that you tell your daughters? I do. I do. I see the things they like. I push them in the things that they are doing good at and that they seem to love. And then I also let them be themselves. But I just, you know, I tell them, don't grow up too fast. You don't need to get to this age to be able to drive or this to be able to do this. You know, like that's all going to happen. Just focus on having fun because you can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to. You'll be able to do all this, and don't do things just because you think you have to. Do them because you want to, you know. But try, try everything, and see what you like and what you don't. Yeah. And then that way it'll be a lot quicker down the road, figuring out who you want to spend your time with and things you want to be doing. Have there been any times when, you know, you had to sit down with one of your daughters and just kind of explain that? Oh, absolutely. 
I think I do it like, you know, every time that I'm with them. You know, I don't always, you know, it's kind of, you know, they're into tons of sports and stuff. I don't really push them into snowboarding, but they're into it and they're snowboarding now. And we snowboarded a bunch last year and they can both finally just, can just rip down the mountain together, which is really cool. Um, but I just want them to like that, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't want them to think they have to do a certain sport or please certain people or say and think certain things because, you know, the other kids are doing it or it's cool or irrelevant, you know, it's just, just trying to make it, you know, it's their own lives. I'm not going to like make their lives and decisions for them, but I'm going to try to guide them the best I can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I do that whenever I feel like it needs to be said. Yeah. Just kind of in the moment. Exactly. And they got a good grasp of that. So I think have been doing all right. All right on that on that vibe. When you were a kid and you thought about being a pro snowboarder, did you imagine it being any certain way? Honestly, like I didn't imagine. Like I didn't even know what it meant to be pro. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like something that I had that I knew about. It was just something more that like I wanted to keep snowboarding and this is the way I can keep it going and this is fun and this is what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of you know, not exactly what, what I was, I don't even know. It's so different for everybody, but I, I imagined, I imagined all the fun I had growing up doing those things. I imagined that's part of it, but all the amount of places I could go and things I could do from there. And it was definitely like a, something I'd imagined, I guess, maybe like I want a video part, things like that. But, um, when it finally, all the things were happening with me going about my business, doing it the way I did, a lot of things came in to the program, you know, like, Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. And it felt a little more like fake, you know, there's a lot of fakeness to Mm. it. A lot of stuff. And like, I felt like being myself wasn't good enough. You know, and that kind of bummed me out. So, yeah, it's a little different. You know, it's not quite what you see in the movies or magazines. Um, and that that is part of it that I've always and still feel, you know, weird about. But I totally get it. I understand it. It's like businesses put money into people because, they, you know, they're a business trying to make money. Yeah. And if you help them, like you have to be helping them in the most positive way possible, you know, but it's, it's hard to do. And like, that's not really like how you grew up, you know, seeing everything and experiencing it and just didn't cut, like, didn't feel organic, Mm -hmm. but I understood. And that's also, you know, the revamp of you know, the old career to the new career, taking on and doing things that, you know, were needed, are needed now, but, you know, you weren't doing then. Mm. And just, you know, once again, evolving with, with the times. So it's all fine. If it's something you want to do, it's a sport you love or something that you want to have in your life in that way, then those are, you know, kind of the steps and the things you need to do to 
keep doing it. So it didn't bother me too much, but explaining it to other people was annoying. So I just only really talk about it too much, but definitely a lot different looking at it from the outside. Yeah. I think we, we touched on it a bit earlier where it's like, you can have this preconceived idea about how something might turn out, but more often than not, it's never going to turn out that way. And so it's always better to just, you know, kind of go with the flow and be able to put yourself in situations where you can identify opportunities and skills in yourself. Absolutely. Because, you know, keep going at it, like going with the flow is great, but like if you're not planning ahead for something then you better have like a backup plan i guess for when nothing's going on yeah so for me that's like touching back on you know telling myself focus on yeah go to school don't worry about this or that like those things get out of the way easy and it'll set you up down the road whereas like just focusing on snowboarding was good for the time being and all that but you know, when people don't care anymore or they feel like you're not putting in what, you know, they want to keep you on the roster or whatever, whatever it is, you know, then Mm -hmm. you better have some experience doing other shit. So, you know, I guess that's all comes back to that. Really. It's just like learning everything you can, enjoying it, but, you know, just plan ahead and love the snowboarding part of it because that's what you're going to have at the end of the day. You know, no one's going to do this until they're, no one's going to be doing it as a career, like given a few the rest of their lives. Um, unless it's like your passion is yeah, making other people want to buy snowboards (laughs) and go snowboarding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that there's definitely two, at least two different people in, in snowboarding. And it sounds like, you know, you find a lot of joy in like the act of snowboarding. And so what you are in the process of doing is finding a way to be able to continue doing it in the way that you like to be doing it rather than, you know, maybe being like, um, like a poster boy for a sponsor, you know? Exactly. Poster boy kissing all the ass. <laughs> you can. Um, no, you know, and it's not like that, but yeah, totally expect to be a poster boy, but like do it, doing the things you love, create your own self. Yeah. And for your company, you know, you know, but be, be good. Like be, be a good um, inspiration, you know, and make people like want to watch snowboarding. And that's kind of what it's about. And that's like why all my favorite pros are the ones like a lot of them. I appreciate that I met them, and that's what got me into it. Watching snowboard videos, old snowboard videos, riding with people, and like that's what I would hope to inspire myself. But I'm not gonna go and you know, write up an advertisement that isn't just pure snowboard passion, you know, it's just going to be me. Hopefully it inspires, like people have the love for it and watch and follow and, and want to, you know, aspire to do 
the same things that their idols are doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a point when you were really focused on freestyle riding and then you made this transition to big mountain riding. Does that sound right? I was. I was kind of into all of it, but there wasn't really a love for like the free ride part. Love you, baby. Love you, bye. Sorry. Uh, I'll call you. I'll call you when I'm done. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Lunch break. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, so I was, yeah, I was really into freestyle, actually. Like, you know, I love skateboarding, so I loved, like, mini ramp and rails and all this stuff, you know. And, like, there were so many parts of snowboarding that I love snowboarding because... I like snowboarding everything, you know, like mm -hmm. even when I started getting into big mountain stuff, like it wasn't just, Oh, fuck everything else. You know, like I jibbed, I rode pipe park and, but I love powder. And when I found out you could kind of like incorporate it all, that's when I kind of stayed that way, um, for a little bit, but because I could always go to the resort and ride and, and do that made it a little easier. But yeah, I was doing like half pipe contests and rail contests and slope style contests and didn't really have like a set like style, I guess you could say. I just wanted to be a snowboarder. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's all I did up until, you know, I did my, my first big mountain contest. I was 16 and it was at Kirkwood. It was the Kirkwood free skiing championships. And they had a snowboard class, and I was the only one under 18. Had to have my dad come sign me up. And I won it. And after that, they started doing these uh, master's events, and you had to be 18 to compete. And I was like, fuck that, dude. Like, <laughs> I'll just go back. I'm just going to film, you know? And I started filming, you know, when I was yeah. 16, 17, um, which I was able to go out and free ride, and I was able to also, like, go hit kickers and, you know, could go film rails, whatever. And it was kind of nice just being able to enjoy every part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, cause it's not always gonna be a pow day. Yeah. And I'm not going to go climb a freaking mountain peak every day to get the gnarliest line. Like I'll go ride groomers and carve and feel like pretty damn content, um, with that. But yeah, you know, I think a lot of people get into snowboarding in the beginning more freestyle based, you know, that's kind of how it started for everybody. You know, like when we were young, yeah, like the big, like heliboarding wasn't really something obtainable or we thought we were going to go do, you know, then, but we're like, Oh sick. Like let's go hit this like shitty park jump, <laughs> but it's sick. Yeah. It's super sick. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's borderline camp was too. Like we'd go build like, you know, all the kickers on freaking half moon, you know? Yeah. And, oh man, it was so fun when we got enough snow to just like rip chair six all day. Yeah. Um, and just like hit all the goalies and there was kickers built kind of all over the place. Um, uh, but that was like, that was the style, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I love it, and I still, I, I'm still into freestyle. I still love half pipe. I love, I really like jibbing still, and like same, like I go skateboarding a lot. Like I'm a skateboarder, probably more, more so than a snowboarder. I feel like, 
and I like rails and I like bowls and stuff. So I like switching it up mm -hmm. on the board some days and doing some, you know, tail wheelies on the old metal and, you know, a little slap, slap, slap and pickle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have this theory about why big mountain snowboarding has gotten so popular and maybe it's been proven and maybe, you know, I'm just co-opting it somehow, but I feel like when we were younger, big mountain snowboarding wasn't super popular. Like I remember I used to fast forward, you know, through all the big mountain parts because it looked oh, yeah. like a little dot, you know, moving down a mountain because of the cameras, but you don't really understand as a viewer watching that video, how gnarly it is up until, you know, GoPro came out with those cameras that can really show you what that perspective is really like. And oh, then yeah. to me, that's when free riding got way more exciting and understandable for an audience. Absolutely. Like the social media aspect too. It's like, you know, GoPro. All right. Where do we see these people's GoPro videos? All right. Boom. Like now, shit is uploaded like instantly mm -hmm. from like the gnarliest line you've ever seen. And you're like, what the hell? You know, and people yeah. like have a grasp on like the idea of riding down because yeah, people ask me now, like, so like what, what kind of riding do you do? And you're like, Oh, like big mountain, I guess, or free riding. I don't know. Like I explain it. Like I, I do everything, but I, you know, I do like just riding the mountain for what it is. Mm -hmm. When you're young, you just look at a guy on a face you know, and you're like, huh, just making turns down like perfect powder. Like, yeah, that's what you think. It's easy. You yeah. know, it's easy. Um, <laughs> and people don't have a grasp on it, but like now I watch, I love shots like that these days, even if it's, there's no POV just cause like, I understand what they're riding. Like I know what, I know what they're feeling too. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so sick. Like I got to get that. I want to do that. Yeah. You know, like, but also like, I love watching a, a banger, you know, like backside 180, just tweaked to the full and like stomped and done with style, you know, and precision. That's, I'm into that. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we're all into. Um, I feel like if you're watching like a Mac dog video, you know, you'd get like a shit ton of Mount Hood, like late park like spring sessions, you know, mm -hmm. and a whole lot of lag wagon. Yeah. And a whole lot of lag wagon. <laughs> and you'd be fired up. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, it's all just sick, dude. That's, it's all rad. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. People definitely still don't grasp the idea of big mountain riding and when they see it, but it has definitely changed a lot with, um, you know, like the POV cams, Mm -hmm. They're getting so sick these days and just the stuff and the creativity and the amount of people that are actually getting into it and like researching and, and obtaining the knowledge they need to like go out and get after it. Um, it's a big change. You know, it's the community has grown. Yeah. Which is nice to see. Well, I think it also it's been allowed to grow, you know? Yeah. Cause I think that the community was probably, always doing what they're doing you know to maybe a small degree and now it's like a bigger degree there's more people involved but 
because of technology, they're given the opportunity to, uh, you know, to be bigger, to get more sponsors because there's more eyes on it. Exactly. You know, and that's, and that's like the part of like where people, that's kind of the part though of the industry that like I would get a little bummed on is just because it's, you know, everyone's like, I will do this shit for free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Here's this, just put my name out there, you know? And like, cause they just want to like be known. They want to get their gear. And in a sense, like we're all doing the same thing, but it's just the way I grew up doing it is different, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to see the amount of like, kids out there. I don't know like you could ask me a uh, some people are like oh you don't know this snowboarder or this and that and I'm like dude I don't follow the game like that I'm like rarely just like on my phone doing you know like looking at every bit of snowboarding possible like I you know I keep up but damn you know the amount of shit people will do to stay relevant is you know it's kind of like mind-boggling yeah it is um you know like but if it makes you happy, then that's totally fine. Like that's, that's ultimately like what it's about. So, you know, but, but sponsors can get free content. Brands can get content very easily mm-hmm. from people who just are willing to go out and create, you know, and with the amount of content that you feel like you want to get, there comes a budget and, you know, an amount of necessary resources and people and time to be able to actually kind of make that happen. I feel like, um, to where like you break even. So it's like, are you doing it for money? Are you doing it because you want to? And and that's the hard part is like the companies are always going to make money. Um, and they don't necessarily need to, they don't necessarily need to like empty their pockets to, facilitate that you know for people Mm -hmm. and for me like i never really had like a huge i didn't always have like a huge budget or a ton of money coming in and the money i did i put right back into my season so that's the part for me that it's really hard is like it's the reward you know the reward for the work like risk reward and like how hard do i want to work on this like what how much time out of my life do I need to take that I could be doing other things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's, what's going to make it worth it, you know? And for me, like make it worth it for me or give me a reason for me to like feel that passion to do it. Cause I'm going to go snowboard and enjoy it. Like I'll go to the resort or I'll go out splitboard or whatever it is and just to have a good time. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Don't need to film it. Don't need to, do much to be be pretty damn content with um you know snowboarding um mm-hmm. god damn it who is calling me right now <laughs> that's your ringtone <laughs> yeah i got a duck Amor ducks Amor ducks Amor not see damn wings oh smr all right uh yeah so <laughs> but yeah for me it's like you know just enjoy what you're doing if it's worth it, that's great. But like, that's part of why I'm definitely, you know, phasing out into the next career in my life because 
I'm not like motivated to sit and produce a ton of like content for me that I feel like is like half ass, you know, like I want Mm -hmm. the best product I can give. And for that, it takes time and, and people to kind of be supportive, you know, cause mm-hmm. not every winter produces, you know, the days and the conditions you need to, you know, put out what you like in your mind are like planning on, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, like I want this sick part or I want the sick project and idea and I'm not getting the time or the conditions I need when I was expecting to, you know, have that. And it only takes a handful of good days in the winter to really like make that happen. But it also takes like good filmers and it takes good, you know, sponsors and support to, to back it. Cause at the end of the year, it's like you go out and film a ton and build this piece, but like, what is it for? How are people going to be able to watch it? Mm-hmm. What are they going to take from it? And at the end of the day, like, is it gonna make you happy? And what's it going to do for you? So it's like a want versus need type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this year I'm going to try to do my own project here in Chucky with minimal resources. Can you explain that? Uh, I'd like to be doing, so writing it up kind of right now, I've been working on it, but just basically... I want to do like closer rather than further or deeper. Um, just kind of showing like the amount of epicness you can get from staying closer to home and the little things that people think are difficult, you know, Oh man, it's going to take this and that. And it's like, no dude, it doesn't take much to get out to this sick face. And the reason we live here where it's really all that close and easy is because that's, that's our priorities, you know, might mm-hmm. be a little bit more expensive. We might have to, you know, get a better job and deal with crowds of fucking tourists all the time. But in the end, it makes those things that seem difficult a lot easier. So we do the hard things to make the things that bring us happiness in the day. Yeah. You know, it brings them closer and it's easier and it's autopilot, you know, you don't have to think about it. It's just your daily routine. So basically I'm going to stay closer this year. If I can, it's all up in the air. Do you have a name for this project? Closer. It's called closer. Yeah. It's not deeper. It's closer. And who's involved in this? Uh, it's just me right now, but I'm going to be pulling in look local peeps of caliber. I kind of want to involve everybody, um, including just like people I know who are amazing snowboarders and like mountain enthusiasts, um, but aren't necessarily like pro snowboarders, you know what I mean? But then I'll pull in a few that, you know, obviously are still doing it. And, and then I have, a uh, obviously I've been talking to, you know, my cinematography family that would be interested in, in that, but that's all. See, that's all part of it is just presenting something that sponsors will get behind. But for me also, it's not going to take a lot of, you know, I'm not going to need a lot of help. Like, yeah. I want it to be something that I can, we can make it happen very easily. Um, 
because that's that's the point of it. Like it shouldn't be that hard. I'm not going to travel the world to, you know, get six minutes of footage, you know, when I could get six minutes of quality footage, but like have actual base storyline, something I've been wanting to do for years, like planned out and easy, you know, just uh, everyday life, why we live here and riding, but also showing people like that you can get out and do all this amazing shit. And it doesn't take millions of dollars and helicopters and like, you know, trips to Europe to make it happen. Yeah. So there's going to be a narrative to it. Yeah, there's a narrative. There's a narrative. I'm actually writing it out. Uh, I've started, I've been doing it all week. I'm going to do some more today after this here, but I'll send you a rough idea of it when I finish just so you can just for personal pleasure. Yeah, I'd love that. Because we all need to get back. We all need to get back to the days of simplicity. Yeah. Of like not worrying so much. What are we working hard for? Well, to do the things we want to do now because you can't take your retirement to the grave. Mm -hmm. You got to make money. Um, So just showing how you can incorporate this kind of stuff and still like live your daily life doing what you do for work and with family and other things, you know, that you need in your life. We just, we need this and... Uh, you know, I want to share that love and passion and maybe show people that's a little easier than they think. Yeah. That, I think that sounds great. I'm smoking a joint right now. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need a little joint. I'm watching it snowing right now. It's pretty. looks like a good start so far to winter. I'm liking it. Let's get that base. Well, I'll let you finish your joint, but I do have one last question for you, and it comes from Darian Draper. Okay. Can you do your impression of Cartman from South Park? Oh, my God. (laughs) Honestly, I've tried to do it the way I used to, but uh, I feel like I'm not as raspy as I used to be. Let's see here. Follow your dream. (laughs) (laughs) yep i'm bad it's bad (laughs) sweet sammy this is this has been awesome catching up with you man um thank you for spending this time with me do you have anything else you'd like to add uh first i'll say it's been great no problem. Thanks for having me come talk. Um, I will say, uh, if I want to touch on anything, it's let's link up and shred this winter if we can. Yeah. And also just stoked on Alaska, the love and family and everything that has come from having all you people in my life. That's pretty much a big thank you to, I'm always bringing up Borderline. Um, I'm always bringing up Liska's. I'm always bringing up family. And uh, pretty much everything I've taken from growing up there and and having, a, having you know, gotten that experience in life. So um, 
just want to say I love that, and I like what you're doing. I love it. I love the crude. I love the fam, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. 